Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hey everyone, welcome along to this episode of the podcast. I'm really glad you could join me because we're going to be speaking with Dr. Pleo Tovaranone about the social enterprise that he co-founded called Beyond the Stethoscope. And it's one of those fascinating conversations because we don't just talk about that. We also talk about his background, what it was like to come in high school from Thailand and move to New Zealand, as well as a bunch of other stuff that he's involved in, like the tiny house movement, as well as an IT startup that's focused on augmented reality, as well as a whole bunch of other things. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. If you do enjoy it, then you might want to check out some of the earlier ones because this is literally one of dozens of other episodes. And this is a special shout out to all the people that I met at the TEDx Youth at Avon River event on Sunday. And I enjoyed meeting all of you. And I know Shanna really enjoyed her time as well. And it was great to connect with so many of you. And I hope you enjoy this episode as well. Now let's get straight into the conversation with Pleo. So it's a pleasure to welcome Pleo Tovaranon to the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Dave, for inviting me here. No problem. So on this show, what we do is we talk about purpose and we talk about what people are doing in their lives. And with your um, endeavors, I know they cover a wide range of things. So I think we're going to touch on a bunch of different topics. Um, and in particular, that sort of social enterprise element of the doctors going overseas. Um, but if we could just start right at the beginning and just tell us a little bit about where it is that you're from. Sure. Um, you know, it's a pleasure to be here, first of all. <laughs> and I'm definitely keen to share all my endeavors and a few other interests that I, that I want to talk about today. Um, a little bit of a background of myself. Um, so I'm from Thailand. Um, I came in New Zealand when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, studied here in Christchurch, um, then went to Otago. Then I did a medical degree there. Um, when, I, when I finished, you know, I did my internship, just like what other people do. And I went abroad as mm. well, went to the UK, went to a few other countries and then came back mm. and, and worked. Um, and then so, so I want to go a little bit deeper in terms of your background, because sure. I love part of the podcast is it's fascinating to hear people's journeys from the beginning. Oh, sure. So I'm just curious, like, why New Zealand? Was it um, your parents said you're yeah, going to study? Yeah, or? yeah. And, and that's probably a, a typical sort of Asian family. <laughs> you just basically do what you're told. Yeah. Um, and were you in I Bangkok at, or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, where I was, yeah. 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 But I guess at the time, my parents were evaluating a few different options of where to send the kids abroad. Okay. And obviously, they they um, realized the importance of, you know, having a second language, mm. i.e. English. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, there were a few options. Um, you know, you could talk about sending someone to the UK, the US, Canada, um, Australia, South Africa, Singapore, or, or New Zealand. Mm. And New Zealand at the time were probably the most... Um, the, you know the, the the cheapest country first mm. of all, and also um, the um, the the reputation is pretty good mm. in terms of the environment, in terms of the learning environment, in terms of everything else, nature, people, and um, and it's still true to today. Mm. And what did you know about New Zealand before you came? Not not a lot to be honest, and I was just um, you know a teenager yeah. at the time, so I was still worried about um, you know losing all my friends or the connections I used to have there, and then um, the worries about learning a new language, the worries about cultural shock, which mm. I did experience, but um, but I I think I adapted quite well and I got over that pretty quickly mm. in the first three years of, of when I was here. Right. And so what was it like, I guess, when you first got here? Was it what you expected or? Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was definitely a lot. Um, well, Christchurch in particular was a lot quieter than, than Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, I can you imagine know. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, you know, I definitely missed the lights and the sound and the, right. and the, st- the stimuli that were around me. Um, and also the different scenery in general, you know, is, it was quite rural then. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, you know, by the time nine, by the time like 9 p.m. at night, everyone would be home to sleep and you hardly see any cars on the road and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of miss that kind of busyness, if you like. Because Bangkok's more of a 
24-7 place, yeah, isn't correct. it? Like yeah, you can go yeah. walking out that's and there's right. people, there will always be people on the streets and things, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Very vibrant and, and yeah, very interactive. Yeah. And yeah, it kept, it kept moving all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's mm. good. Um, so the, 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 the um, initial arriving here, um, in terms of language and things, how much English did you have when you... Um, probably not like of a lot to be honest with you um <laughs> I, I could just get by with saying hello and mm-hmm. goodbye and thank you and you know like basic um social interactions i suppose yeah um and I, I i can read and write and that kind of thing but um but other than that i couldn't make any uh, any meaningful conversation mm. so it's a pretty big call for your parents to send you over Oh yeah, th- or did they just see the opportunity that English they, was important? And I think they did, but also um, it seems to be a trendy thing at the time for, okay. for a lot of uh, patients parents to do that, and they probably do it at the sacrifice of their own savings as well. So it's not like they they have a lot of money to throw around. So they they basically worked hard and they saved a lot, and they right. would put and they basically you know they put investment in in their own children yes. rather than anything else. Yeah. Mm. And how did you feel sort of being the son sent over to New Zealand at that age, knowing that your parents had sacrificed so much to send you? Yeah, um, there, there was part of it that, you know, you, 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 there's a bit of expectation mm-hmm. <laughs> that you have to, um, to do to get. Um, and, and, and I know they have to, I have to do well in certain areas to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to give them a return back mm-hmm. um, in some ways. Um, but obviously I have a lot of gratitude towards them as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so definitely something that probably ingrained in our culture as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. Um, which bit is ingrained in your culture? Is the the filial um, gratitude thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, and the also, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also. Um, Do you not see it as much in Western culture then? You mean is that a contrast? Or? Yeah, prob- probably, prob- probably not. I know that there there's a move towards that now, probably mm-hmm. recently, and pr- partly because of the multiculturalism um, in this country mm-hmm. now. But I know that that is. We have a very similar culture with the Maori culture, for example. Right. With the way, um, you know, one one household, we have three generations in a house. That uh, kind of that kind of thing. So it's very similar. Right. Culture. So growing up, Southeast there were Asia grandparents well. around, and yeah, well, not me personally, but, yeah. um, because they um, they passed away when, when I was born. But um, but yeah, but a lot of a lot of them were like that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of richness, I think, that um, Western culture with our individuality. We've kind of gotten sidetracked into this is my house, you know, and, and this yes. is my little unit of yes. me and my children and not necessarily thinking about the grandparents or the other generations. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. But I also um, understand the the importance of it being independent mm-hmm. um, and that base, that that's the basic survival skills too. So you, you definitely have to have that so it's a fine balance you know having having been raised in two different cultures i can see the goods and the bads of each Mm. yeah oh that's great and um let's just unpack that a little bit more um what looking back now with hindsight like what would you say were some of the the positives from thai culture that you didn't necessarily appreciate living in it um there's uh, again that um the, the i guess that the the fact that we live in you know and depend on other family members and things like that that can develop into long term dependence mm-hmm. and it can it it can probably um paralyze some of your skills or or, or development of your skills okay um so for example you know you might rely on your parents to do things for you in certain ways and things mm. like that. Therefore, you know, that skills could not be fully developed. Um, you know, you can't do that in, in your workplace and um, you ended up having to rely on other people to help you all the time with work mm. and things like that. Mm. Those are the part that I didn't really appreciate. That. Sure. Yeah. So um, over the years I've developed to to be a DIY person mm-hmm. <laughs> as a true Kiwi. <laughs> yep. So, you know, so if things are broken and things like that, the first thing I do is how am I going to fix this? Right. <laughs> so and how can, I, how can I do it so cheaply? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Bunnings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there will be a way. So uh, 
talking to you now, um, this is kind of jumping ahead, but where, what sort of identity do you have, like in terms of national identity? Is that an easy answer? Or? I um, and that's I still you know come across that question quite often to, mm-hmm. of you know where you're from and that yep. kind of thing and. And you know I've been asked a lot now that I thought it was cliche, but also it depends on the tone of the person who asks you. Sometimes it sure. can hint that it might be a, a racist question. But now when I when um, you know if I if I didn't want to answer the question, I would say I'm a citizen of the world, uh-huh. um, which is you know to some extent I have because I have been traveling extensively, and um, and I do I speak multiple languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also liked the learning about different cultures mm. all the time, and I try to embrace that as part of my own. Mm. Um, so it gives you a richness, doesn't it? To, it does. To have the it does. And um, you know, and I, I, and I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be in that position to be able to, to do that. But I, I appreciate that some people might not have the same opportunity as me mm-hmm. to travel the world and that kind of thing. And yeah. um, and sometimes that that results in their short-sightedness and mm. things. So I, I can't really judge people on on that factor alone. Mm. But, um, but yeah, def- it definitely helped to, to, to f- shape who I am today. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's great. And did you, did you know that you wanted to study medicine like early on? Was that something you were aiming for? Or how did it come about that that became? Yeah. My, my dad is a doctor, my dad's mm. a surgeon. Um, so that, that basically kind of... Um, Again, um, you know, I had had a, had a lot of influence on that, um, so I knew that I always wanted to be a doctor. But I didn't want to be a surgeon because I, my dad really rarely had time for me, because right. <laughs> <laughs> you know he would be in theatre all day, all night, and he would come home, and then the next day he would he would go again, and um, go to work again. Um, so and again, you know, probably spend most of the time with mum. Um, so I did like that fact, but I knew that I, I, I really liked, you know, the health and the well-being, and I was fascinated with the, the science and the biology and mm-hmm. the anatomy of, of, of human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I knew that I can I could make a difference mm-hmm. in, in, in doing that or, mm-hmm. or going along that track. Yeah. yeah. So even at that young age, that was part of your motivation, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to I can make more money with this career. I mean that this was part of because i think this is going to shape what you're going to tell me about what you're doing now and different things you're involved in so i'm just curious to trace where it began sure yeah 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 no the um the the, obviously we all we all have to live and pay the bills and things so Mm. the money side of things you know does help but then you know you i always see it as a secondary outcome rather than rather than something that you should aim for Mm -hmm. or um or focus on Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah Oh, great. So you're studying in Otago, and um, just describe a little bit about that, I guess. Yep. So, um, uh, so after high school, went down to Dunedin, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people here would, would, would do. Um, uh, it's quite a nice environment, university town for people. So we, I spent three years down in Dunedin. Yeah. Um, so first first two years living in a, in a uh, sort of like a accommodation-type student college. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, and then, um, and at the same time, I made a lot of friends through there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in the last three years, I came back to Christchurch because okay. we had that choice. Right. Um, and had there been like the end of high school? Was there a thought that you'd go back to Thailand at that point, or was that, you know, part of the thinking? Or yeah, you're prob- obviously still here. And yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, not pro- no, not at all, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, because I, I, at that point, I've already formed new friends, new network. Um, I, you know, and I've, uh, I, I think um, I will, I will lose a lot of skills and friends again if I, if yeah. I go back to Thailand. Mm. Plus, um, with the medical, having a medical degree from that university is not immediately transferable mm-hmm. to Thailand. You need to sit another exam. You need to prove that your your Thai is good enough. Mm-hmm. Which by the time I hadn't been, you know speaking in Thai for a while so right so that would um that would impact on on yeah. my exams as well <laughs> sure yeah oh that's great but yeah and no, I managed to stick around but then I went overseas um later on yeah um, when I so yeah so when you graduated what what happened next and where so did I did you my I did my elective um in the in London um so it's been a few um 
I, I went to do um, cardiology at um, St Thomas's Hospital, which is right in Westminster. Um, so that was that was really cool. So, and I and I did it in two parts. So I did it at the at the at the affluent part of your like of London, you know, where the cutting edge technology. They mm-hmm. used the they did the valve replacement. That, that was new at the time. This is ten years ago now. Right. Um, and um, and and you know, I, I was trained with the, the one of the best cardiologists in in the field. Um, and then the other part I, I spent in um, East London, mm. which is in Whitechapel, and that's oh, the yeah. that's the the totally different ethnicity. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, I actually lived in Hackney oh, for right. about three years. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's in, where all the Kiwis lived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were there 2005 to 2008, I think. So, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, might've, we might have overlapped. We okay. might have walked oh. by each other in the yeah. road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yes, yes. yeah, I was working down at Liverpool Street Station for some oh, of it. So, okay. Yeah, okay. The number eight bus was my commute. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Past the Liverpool Street outgate. Yeah, and yeah. Then along that line. Um, but yeah, so I, I spent in Whitechapel, which is you know where Jack the Ripper was, and right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I was at Royal London, so um, so I did the Hems elective, which is the you know the helicopter emergency service. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I followed them around. It was used to sponsored by um, Virgin, uh-huh. the airlines. Um, they um, so there's a classic um, non-profit organization. Okay, mm. so they didn't have much money. Right. <laughs> so I I was there, you know, as a medical volunteer at the time, and and also did a training, but I we also did um, a fundraising campaign for them as well. So mm. I I you know we we you know started from the ground root actually. So I got two buckets and you know shaking went to the London Bridge Station, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> asking for donations, uh-huh. which um, ended up being a very good opportunity. Number one. Um, of of seeing how you know these organizations work mm-hmm. um, but also number two I, I struck a lot of conversations with the people that pass by right there'll be there'll be two types of people the people that are too busy to who just walk past and get on a train and just go <laughs> and there were people who just stopped and talked to me and said I wonder why this organization still need to need mm. you to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> right you know i thought that you've got money from the NHS. i thought you got money from a virgin as the main sponsor you know why is that why are you here why collecting is that coins yeah. exactly exactly yeah. so that sort of struck me as well because i i didn't know much about the organization at the time either so it was mm. like so i went to the to the ceo and said look you know are these are the conversations i had with with the people passing by mm-hmm. is it possible to you know if you share some of the financial and see you know what else we can do with it and and obviously because it's a non-profit organization all the financials are all open anyway in the public so you can actually just download off the website right um you know and you can see the income coming and outgoings and all that and i and i look at it and say like, wow this you you know to run such a a service like a helicopter emergency service, which mm. we don't have here in New mm. Zealand. Um, well, we don't have it in Christchurch, sorry. Is you know that's such a big thing, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of expenses and things like that. Yeah. So, and when you're collecting money like that, and mm. people are walking towards you, mm. do you know right away which category they're in? Like, can you tell? Having yeah, done it a yeah. bit, you you know right away. Or no, no, and people are quite uh, quite random, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and and there's some people who just don't don't bother. But you know, put them put the coins or the banks, the bank notes, um, from the back. You know, so they some of them just don't even bother. <laughs> right. Yep. But they're generous and they're giving something. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, I think I you know throughout that day, and I did it for like in the next sort of five weeks. Mm-hmm. So I do it every week, next five weeks, and we just rotate around sort of busy stay um, London tube stations. Okay. Um. And um oh and you need a license to do that too so oh, okay. yeah so that was another thing so you need you actually and actually need to report to the the person in charge of the station at the time so you can't just randomly go and ask for money right you yeah. can't just show up with a bucket and mm, say that's right. please give me no. money no. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah um I want to talk about this a bit more in terms of what it's led on to what you learned from that experience and mm. brought into what you're doing now mm. but you also mentioned cardiology and heart um, right that's what you initially were studying and being involved in yeah yeah it's better um can you can you just explain a little bit more about that because i i've never spoken with someone who you know studied that <laughs> oh sure yeah um 
But so my my dad's a hard surgeon, so okay. So I'm always quite um, fascinated by the the mechanism and the, and the, and the anatomy of the heart. Mm-hmm. But um, but at the time there was a trend towards um, they call it minimally invasive procedures. So you know instead of cutting someone's chest open, mm-hmm. you know we we how can we access the the heart, you know in another way basically, right. you know uh, less cuts basically. Um, and at the time, again, this is ten years ago now. It's, it's now a common practice in in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's got a um, a leaky valve in the heart, for example, mm. um, to replace it, you need to crack your chest open. Mm. Okay, and that's the that's the major operation. Mm-hmm. And you need you need a bypass machine to, so um, so that you know the heart and the lungs can still work while the surgeons are operating on it. Mm. Now nowadays, what we can do is is called um, a TAVI procedure. Okay, so it's called transaortic valve implantation. So you, you cut a little um, uh, an area on the groin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where the femoral artery is, and then you thread in the catheter mm. through, and the catheter is led with some some um, contrast that you can see on the X-ray. So there's an X-ray machine, so you you know where you're going basically. Right on here, some from the heart, uh, from the from the leg, and then it goes right to the aorta, and then goes round to the heart. Wow. Um, and that way, and then you you use you use the dye, so just inject the dye, so that you can see the the color being where painted going. where yeah. it's going uh-huh. in the heart, and then you can direct it to the right place. And there's a collapse um, um, artificial valve on that catheter, and when it's in the right place, you inflate the balloon so that it expands, and then mm. sort of replace it on on where the valve is. Hmm. Um, and um, and it basically, that's you basically just collapse the or compress the old valve and replace it with this new artificial valve, mm. and then hopefully it locks in place <laughs> <laughs> with right. a, with a good technique and good design of the of the instruments. Yeah, and then that and then that's it. So you know, instead of basically make a big scar on your chest, now yeah. it's just a wee cut on the groin. Yeah. Um. So that again, that that again, the technique has been there for for at least ten years now, and um. But at the time, you know, the guys that were pioneering it, you know, were based around Europe, basically, right. um, and 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 I was lucky to actually witness that, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't end up pursuing in that in that path, by the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> ended up being a GP. <laughs> right. Okay. Why didn't you pursue that? Your father had been that, and um, you yeah. were studying it. Was there? Yeah. Um. Yeah. As I guess a lot of a lot of combinations really. Um. At the time, you know, I thought, you know, to be to be a specialist, mm-hmm. you know, you could, I could only help one person at a time. I see. And they have to have a specialized condition that I can help. Okay, so that was the was the thing. So I said, how can I maximize my time and my effort to uh, to the greatest goods? Mm-hmm. So I've decided, um, you know, the more broad you are, mm-hmm. the more knowledgeable you are in all the areas, mm-hmm. probably better. So that's why I ended up going through the general practice route. Mm. Where um, even though um, you know they, they call they call us jack of all trades and master of none, mm-hmm. you, you, know, you kind of had to know a little bit of everything. Yeah, but um, but then you know your things that are easy you or um, you know things that can, are, are manageable within the general practice or in the community we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to realize our limitations too. So if I don't know enough or or if they need certain procedures, then I refer them on to yeah. specialists. Yeah. So that's so what I've just jobs. explain to me more there, because I'm really fascinated. You said that you wanted to have the maximum impact, and you wanted to act with purpose. You know that 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 was important to you. Why was that important to you? Because I I would have thought it becoming a heart surgeon, like a specialist, you could probably make a lot more money that way, right? Yeah, you probably yeah probably yeah you definitely can yeah. Yeah. So what was the motivation? I mean, w- unpack for us why that was important to you. I, I, I understand that it was important, but yeah. what was it that made it important to you to have an impact on, on others in a positive way? Yeah, I guess, I guess it sort of, you know, shapes um, who I am um, in terms of, of um, I guess I get a, a, personal, a personal satisfaction you know, when you get to help a lot of people mm-hmm. at once, um, that's one thing. Um, but also, but also, uh, just a general feel good kind of thing too. You know, if you're able to help someone in the position that they that that they that they need help. 
um, mm-hmm. but but the ways of doing it, there's so many ways of achieving that, right? So mm-hmm. you don't actually need to be a doctor. You can you mm-hmm. in any career really, you can help someone. Yeah. Um, but um, I I just thought that at the time, you know, being specialists are not so important mm-hmm. to me. Yes, it will make a lot of money, but again, money is not the end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but but it, it definitely helps things to go round and round if, yeah. you, do, if you do have to. So the end goal for you um, is helping other people. Is that above S- the sa- money? Sounds yeah. cliche as it as it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I can cope with cliches. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah yeah sure that that is that is one thing um, mm-hmm. and also you know I'm I'm a big fan of of. Um, you know, perhaps helping is probably mm. not the as uh, in itself just part of the equation. But mm. you want to help someone who who then be able to help themselves right. to go forward. So mm. that's two two parts. So this is this is um, you know when I said you know health and well being, you always um, and I always consider this in every consultation with a patient, right? So. Mm-hmm. So um, you 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 might give them advice and things like that. Okay, um, would they would they take it on board? Well, de- depends, right? Depends on a lot of things, um, but but the idea is that you 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 want to make sure that they can trust you. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, um, they, you know, I want I want them to be able to see the result of following that advice. Right. So I want them to start feeling the impact if they follow that advice. So and that's and that's to complete that part of the equation. So um, so yeah. So going back to help to helping people. Yes, I can help someone by giving advice, but they have to be helping themselves as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a classic example would be something like, you know, um, ask getting someone to quit the smoking or, or, mm. or something like that. Mm. You know, you know it's, easy, it's easy to just throw in drugs and say, okay, go and, you yeah. know, use the patches or this and that. But, you know, if they don't agree with your principles, if they don't know why they're doing that, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and and say, same and then you can apply this to men, even mental health as well. Again, I'm I'm a big fan around mental health because um because you know in Canterbury you probably know we've got the highest suicide mm-hmm. rates in in Canterbury. Yeah. And I'm I'm working really hard to try to drive that down. And um I know another another friend who's um who's doing the um, less chalk for mental health campaign. Mm-hmm. And they just did that over the weekend actually, and that was to raise the awareness around suicide. Mm-hmm. Again um. You know that's and that and that's the that's the biggest thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can talk more about this as well if you like because mm. I'm starting to go sidetrack now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's good. But the thing, see, the thing with the podcast is that people listening are probably not going to be a doctor who could have become a heart surgeon, right? But there are people listening who are doing other careers or other things, and so that's why I love to find out about the people I'm interviewing. Like, why do you do what you do? What is it that means that you want to give back or help other people because then others can identify with that i think you know and, and can learn from that and can learn from you know an example like that um, absolutely absolutely and I, I, li- I did listen to your podcast and i i, I pretty much you know, had that sense when i yeah. listened to everyone from different backgrounds and that's that was right. quite inspiring and that's the thing that's why i love the podcast is every week i want the listener to be surprised at how different it is to the week before but if you listen closely, there's deep things running through yes, every conversation. Yes. That's true. And these are people who are acting with purpose in, in some way, you know. Mm. So, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I'm using my skills in a way to help other people in the same way as you're being a doctor. And there's many other people out there who are listening right now and are doing things in their own context and I think can be encouraged by knowing there's lots of us doing what we can, um, you know, use another cliché. To make the world a better place, <laughs> so and you can start to sing Michael Jackson song. Yeah, that'd be right. Which one? Man in the Mirror, maybe. Or <laughs> a heal the world. Heal the, heal world. the world. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so let's get back. Uh, I think we've established sort of where you're from and what you've what's led you to this point. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about the doctors going overseas and things. Can you tell us yeah, a bit sure. about um, that? So um, I, I went to a um, a conference. Um, the Royal College of Physicians conference when I was did my training and then um, I met up with a couple of guys that share the same vision as me, um, and we thought, oh, why don't we why don't we get together and, and, and form something that would make an impact mm. on the world? So um, so we came up with the idea of um, beyond the stethoscope, mm-hmm. um, 
which is basically an, a, a non not for profit organization that will enable um, young doctors to um, to help um, volunteer their skills and and use them overseas um, and usually at the at the places where they need need mm. them so um, yeah so de- um, developing countries or, or undeveloping countries mm. and, and the difference with other organizations like um which that, one? that do similar well um isn't there doctors without oh, borders or something yes, like that yes or? so that's you know, so yes yeah, so um so yeah you might ask yes what's the difference between us and, and medicine sans frontier right um or any or um unicef or you know those those ones um yeah so our, our difference is that um, these volunteers do not have to pay for any costs to volunteer. Right. And and that's that's what I find is that's the main barrier of 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 people wanting to be a volunteer. Um, and that should probably be the principle actually. If they if someone is willing to to give out their skills and their time to help the humanity, um, you know, why do they have to pay? Right, right. So that's that's so that's the question that I ask initially. So that's how we got. Um, so our our model is is um, is basically people would call it a one on one to one philosophy, uh-huh. um, which is basically if you if you save one patient, um, then we uh, if you, uh, sorry if you donate one patient per practice, then we will save one patient on the other side of the world. Okay. So that's our that's that's what a one to one philosophy is. So similar to um, probably eat, um, eat my lunch mm-hmm. or um, you know what you know buy one give one buy one, one, buy one give one. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So a similar thing in the medical services. I want I mm. want that to trans to be transferable. Yeah. Um, and you use the word social enterprise around this as well. Is that a label yeah. that you're adopting? And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, what I find is that people actually lay people don't quite quite understand what a social enterprise is sure so um a lot of people think oh you're a business mm. or um but um you know once i try and explain to them then they probably they probably understand better right um but they they realize that we, we do have costs and things like that so yeah so you know they we we will require funding you know the organization the administration so we need sponsorship um but also we we basically um, help things run smoothly, but also mm. um, have the rest as grant for people to be able to volunteer, okay. to give them out to volunteers to go overseas. Yeah. Mm. And which regions do you go to overseas? So um, I, I've got a few contacts, actually, um, that, that I've worked through over the years. So um, obviously I have contacts in Thailand. So we have mm. um, a place in Konkan which is in the, uh, um, the northeastern part of Thailand. It's quite rural mm-hmm. and still, and they don't have provincial hospitals, but it's still, um, they have medical centers, you know, small medical centers and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's one, I've got, um, I've got contacts in Africa as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Malawi, um, Uganda, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and Kenya, um, and also um, some other parts in Southeast Asia, like Lombok. They just had the earthquake recently um, in Indonesia. Um, and uh, but I'm I'm still expanding um, yeah. our contacts to to see where we can go mm-hmm. overseas. Yeah, but we're just trying to um, trying to basically um, fit in with you know where the volunteers would like to go as well. So they they do have a choice. So it's not just us saying oh you have to go there or mm. something. And we and we if we don't have a um, we don't have a rule around. Um, around you know bringing your partner along and that kind of thing because you might find that some other organizations might put the restrictions that that you know a couple can't go to the same place right because that you know that's part of the distraction they claim to to their medical volunteering right okay because at the end of the day it's not a holiday right yeah (laughs) you're actually there to help people (laughs) and do some work yeah Yeah. Yeah. so they so they so you've got partnerships with these places that yeah, they would right. come into the clinics or whatever and actually yes. be helping people at the core face. Yeah. yeah. And we do have um we do have some sort of supply programs as well where if they need some medical aids or equipment or devices and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and we have some vol- um some sponsorship on board then um then they specifically specify what they need and we would bring them from New Zealand to them. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. So how does this, how is this? Um, I'm really curious because I'm a lawyer. I always like to understand the structures and things. Yeah, sure. From what you've described so far, it does sound like 
it's on the charity side of the spectrum in terms of uh, people going and they're giving their time and things. Where is the enterprise element or the the money making side of it being a a business or or yeah? How yeah. Does it so fit? we we're still working. We're still working on it, but um, we'll, you know, we probably need help mm. from you later <laughs> after the show. <laughs> but um, the idea is to 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 basically go around uh, medical practices in, in New Zealand okay. and trying to trying to approach them with the philosophy that we talk about the one on one to one philosophy, mm-hmm. where um, you know each GP might say donate their fifteen appointment of their time or whatever the equivalent amount of, of what you normally see that patient right um, to our organization I see okay and that's and that's the income that we will use to mm-hmm. trying to help mm-hmm. you know that that patient somewhere overseas yeah um, so it'd be that's how we that's how we um, approach yeah the people who do it so that's the that's the business side of things yeah um, but um, but uh, but we we still have one or one or two main income stream at the moment. That's one. The other one is just main sponsorship. So people wanting to donate. Sure. Um, you know, or and and for that for the sake of advertising. I see. Um, yeah. So that's that's the other side. But that, those are the two main income streams at the mm-hmm. moment. But I would exp- I would like to explore other opportunities. Yeah. No, well. it's interesting. I w- I'm really curious about social enterprise and where it's heading. Um, and I think from what you've described, you are probably more in the traditional charity side of things because you're asking people to donate, you know, give us this um, and then we'll use it for good um, as opposed to buy this product and we'll use the profits to alleviate something. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we're not making any products or we don't have any capability. And not offering services or whatever, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, correct, correct. Also that we, we could look into that service offering side of things, but it, it will get complicated. Yeah. 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 No, that's fine. It's just, it's good to be, it, just to talk it through. And lots of the people who listen to this are social enterprises. So it's, yeah. I think it's always healthy to explore and work out. Um, you know, there's different, different models and different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, it's a fascinating um, thing that you've gotten into. Are all the people New Zealand based or are they overseas as well? Yeah, they're mainly New Zealand and Australia. So my colleagues are from Melbourne and, and okay. Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's, that's, well, if yeah. people want to know more, what we'll do is put a link in the show notes and then they can click and sure, yeah. and go and find out yeah, more. Yeah. So nz. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely put that in. Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about some of the other things that you're involved in as well. Yeah, um, sure, yeah. So why don't you lead off with, <laughs> I know you've got many hats that you're wearing. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm, so. you know, I could probably, you could probably say the classic entrepreneur, so I get, I get bored quite easily. Right. So, you know, once I, once I start one project and I don't tend to finish it, I just move on to the next. Okay. And then I let someone else to finish my project. Right. <laughs> so there's some downsides to that as well, there, right? Oh, oh, yeah, obviously, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. No, so that's something that my, I need to realize, you know, as my yeah. own limitation. Yeah. Um, Why do you keep moving on to new things? You just like the idea of something new. That's yeah, yeah. And I like I like the process of getting something off the ground, and okay. you know, I find it as an achievement that yeah. is quite satisfying. But you know, and sometimes I do regret of some of the decisions I made because some of them fail. You know, mm. just like what any business do. And you know, mm. I fail multiple times. Mm. I can't count them with my hands. So right. it must be one in ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Um, but but I also like the fact that if I if I grow something um, and if someone carries on, then that could be legacy that I can that I can have. Yeah, you know, as part of sure. Yeah. So you're you're at the beginning, the innovating, the blue sky thinking, and <laughs> kick it off, and That's then right. and then find the next. That's right. Thing to That's do, right. yeah. Yes, and, yeah. and I hope that I, could, I, I meet someone, perhaps like yourself, that will <laughs> <laughs> that will help carry on with the motivation, or, yeah. or find someone that will be keen to be on board. And, yeah, and, and then take it's it hard, through. isn't it? Though I mean, you know, honestly speaking, you know, like this podcast, it's it's hard sometimes. You know, like I'm doing it once a week at the moment, and so to interview one person a week, you know, to set that up, to prepare, to record, to edit, to release. It's a lot of hard work, work. and um, yeah, I'm just thinking through. You know, the ideas. Sometimes it's good to have the great ideas, but then Mm. it's hard to keep it going. And 
and talking about it. podcasting though i'll, I'll yeah. share with you another another startup story so we so my friend uh, phil and i we we started a podcast as well on on another subject which i'm interested in which is in technology mm-hmm. so um so we we always talking about like the latest the latest trends of okay. know, of that of that week kind of thing yeah right. but we we are we, but we're quite low tech in our in our recording like right. not not as much equipment as you <laughs> um but um we we did we did uh, there's actually some some stuff on youtube i, I can send you a few things but yeah, um sure. but it's that's been at a halt at the moment because of that reason because i can't i can't keep up with the amount of information that comes through and then yeah. the, the recording and the editing and by the time you know i'm ready to post something that's that's all news yeah right <laughs> because, because the trend in Texas is moving so quickly yeah so um so that was we, new a month ago right yeah exactly yeah. exactly so yeah. we we had we had we had quite a few sort of you know recordings on on those things and I really had a lot of fun doing that yeah um again you're just talking about things that you're interested in yeah and with another person who's also doing the same thing yeah well that's usually the <laughs> best uh, way <laughs> I'm lucky because I get to interview different people every time you know so it's always quite stimulating and interesting like oh we're talking about heart surgery right now you know like quite different to yeah. last week or next week so yes. yeah but it is I've I've the last couple months I guess I've been saying no a lot more than I ever have in my life <laughs> because yeah. I want to be able to have the energy and the time to do what I do as well as I possibly can and I've realized that I'm I've been spreading myself too thin in oh, terms yeah. of and that's, yeah. I want to help this great organization but if I do that you I simply won't have time and well that's right yeah exactly <laughs> and, yeah. and you've got to have the right priority so I'm doing my best now pretty much saying no to almost everything yeah. just because yeah, yeah. I want to stay focused on it um and i, I can hear you yeah. because i i have the same sentiment <laughs> yeah 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 it's important you've got to say no yes yes anyway um that was a little distraction so oh, <laughs> some no, of the other things that you're involved in because i know you're involved with rev3 for example and yeah that's right do you want to so, describe a little bit about that sure so um so rev3 um gave me the opportunity to work with them um so they are crashes developers um mm-hmm. who um you know build apartments and houses and things like that and they're they're the one that completed was in the Cambridge Terrace. Um, the one that's doing now is the Stanmore Village, um, and then the the next big one is the Cathedral Square, which is right in uh, where the cathedral um, by the Millennium Hotel, the old Millennium Hotel, mm. or where the OGB is. Um, so around that area, they're going to build luxury apartments. Mm-hmm. But um, because of that project, so they they would like to engage um, some kind of technology that will help to sell their apartments. So. This is how we got into the augmented reality and virtual reality, um, where where they can use this to enable pre-sales, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was interested in technology anyway, I was, um, and and because of my um, a little bit of background in commercial skills and things like that, mm-hmm. so they brought me on board. Um, so basically, trying to um, to scale that 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 business up for them. So as a result, it's a spin-off company, mm-hmm. which is called Rev3 Tech. Which is um, any anything technology to do with real estate and construction. Right. So so AR VR is one side of things, and they also do smart lifts. So um, so car lifts for apartments. You've probably seen them in Singapore, mm. Japan, mm. where you know you park your car and it brings you right yeah. up next to your bedroom mm. <laughs> in, a, in an apartment. So they want to do something like that here, mm-hmm. um, and also um, and we involve with other technology like base isolation, which is um, you know because we're earthquake prone um again with big sky rises we we need to um, make sure that they they move when the earthquake yeah happens so that's the other side of technology but um but out of out of all these and also the smart home technologies the other thing so all the apartments will be you know voice command wi-fi connected and so forth yeah uh, with all the appliances that they that they provide um, but all all of these things, what I find is that um, the ARVR is the most um, fascinating mm. topic, mm. and um, and I was trying to think back to what other applications that could be used, and because of my background in health, mm. then I I just basically pick a, a topic and and say look let's go with the medical mm. side of things because this is huge, mm-hmm. and. Um, because so in the construction industry, the way that they're using it is to show you the apartment before it's even been built, right? Mm, so you can mm. put on goggles or whatever and you Correct. can walk Correct. through virtually Correct. 
to see okay this where is the where the room are. is and yep. that's what the you yep. know where the, the outside are. bit is yep. and all where that the electric, where the electric lines are yeah yep yeah. And um, but also you they you can use it for individual houses as well, for simple projects like renovations and things like that. Okay. Where they want to change the, the color of the wallpaper or right, or tiling or anything else. So you might traditionally go to your architect and they would show you a, a piece of paper with it written, yeah, you know, drawn yeah. on, and this is saying actually let's make it three D and you can walk through your future extension, that yeah, type of thing. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And you put on this um, virtual devices and then you can actually feel and look and, you know, and actually, you know, feel like you're actually in the room with the, the changes that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to health, how does that translate into... So um, we, we, all, we, we know that the, um, the augmented realities and, and, and virtual reality, the two devices... Um, are very um is a very powerful tool Mm -hmm. as a learning tool so you can use it in education in any way but more so if you use it in um in health education so such things like learning anatomy you know you can you can do it now without having to 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 put your gloves on you know with a scalpel and Mm. there's no blood involved that Mm. kind of thing Mm. yeah (laughs) and find finding cadavers are hard you know and that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember back in the probably in the middle ages when (laughs) in scotland when the people used to steal corpses in medical school just to try to study anatomy but we we're far beyond it now yeah so So being able to do it virtually is pretty pretty cool because you can just hit restart and there it is exactly 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 i chatted to rob lindeman from hitlab for the podcast oh and we we had a great conversation about augmented reality virtual reality Uh, for basically an hour we talked about it because it's it is amazing isn't it what what that opens up you know in terms of training firefighters to deal with um you know a burning house and you can just rerun it again and again and um, yeah have the practice yes yeah yeah Yeah, and then the application and another thing is the health and safety training so Mm -hmm. as you said you know we can train firefighters we can Um, we can even have it as part of a workplace accident kind of training mm-hmm. in any organizations really, um, yeah. but probably mostly in construction and, and trades and things like that. Yeah. Um, um, talking about the hit lab, I was involved with them um, when I was brought in as a supervisor for a PhD student. So we we had a project on Google Glass. So, okay. um, so that's a that's a wear, wearable device. I'm not sure you remember. People yeah, yeah. Used to wear on the street, but um, but they got scared because one of them got punched on the street in America before, um, wow. because they thought it was it was a little bit threatening, right. <laughs> and I thought you're constantly recording everyone that you walk past. Right, right. <laughs> so, so so that that didn't go very well. You're well. wearing glasses right now. Are you secretly you know recording? recording. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. But well, that one was quite obvious with a little oh, okay. screen and just yeah, a little camera uh, on the side. Yeah, I see. But um, we 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 did a trial on Google Glass in hospital care in in medical ward rounds and okay. and Mo is one of my students who um who published that one. It's actually online. You're welcome to go and have a look at it. Okay. So um, we did it at the the DHB in conjunction with Orion Health, mm-hmm. and we we look at um how effective if um, doctors or surgeons using wearable devices in their uh, clinical ward rounds. Right. So go around, you know, because partly when with the, these wearables. They enable um, clinicians to be hands-free. Yeah. So you know you can do things with it, i.e., surgeons can carry on doing their operations, and then they can bring, you know, they might say, "Oh, how do we do that um, appendectomy again?" All oh, right, let's let's look it up on right. YouTube. Um, you know, you can put a little YouTube screen on the side of the glass while yes. they carry on operating. Yeah. Well, not that they actually do that in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, sure they've done it before, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, that that's the kind of application that we we looked at. So yeah. you know, we think we were we were good. It's a fascinating topic because that when I interviewed Rob, the next person I interviewed was Stella Ward from oh, um, DHB. Yeah, DHB. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about here, yeah. hospitals of the future. You know, like in twenty, thirty years what will a hospital look like and realizing it's probably quite different to today. You know, there's going to be um, screens in the room where the doctors will be able to access all the information about that patient, you know, and, and the patient themselves will be able to learn about whatever it is that 
that they're there for as well. So, and the and these um, virtual reality type of um, technology mm. can probably enable that. So you um, you imagine the movie like the Minority Report, you know, the famous one with yeah. the the magic gloves and you know the screen that was invisible. Mm. So those kinds of things you could do mm. in virtual reality, and you can do it right now. Mm. So mm. we're not we're not actually we're not far away. Um, but the the only issue with that is um, how how would you integrate that in the actual real life life scenario, right? And how that would impact on the on the doctor's patient relationship because yes. obviously having all these things is a barrier mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get into knowing someone or yeah. or whatnot. So yeah. Um, um, yeah, but we I think I think they will I think we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. But it's just a matter of how how we're gonna go about it and how yeah. do we solve all these barriers. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And when before we started recording, you were saying there was sort of a triangle of things that you were involved in. What are the other p- bits of the triangle then? So, um, okay, so I'm talking about health. Um, talking about sustainability. Uh, we haven't touched about sustainability. Mm. The other side is the, ha- the the affordable housing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the other thing that I'm into is the um, tiny house, tiny okay. house village. Or we don't like to use the word village because it it sort of correlates to to a commune <laughs> right <laughs> but um but um I'm trying to yeah so basically um talk uh, um, basically endorse um reduce carbon footprint mm-hmm. by um convincing that you can live in a small space right um so is that a group here in Christchurch that's looking into that yep yep, yep. And also um, the pers- uh, the chairperson that that's in charge, Kyle. Um, he submitted his project for the um, the empty space of the red zone okay. as a tiny house village. Mm-hmm. So this is you, uh, you've probably seen the popular show, you know, George Clark's Amazing Spaces, mm. and you know he's it's amazing what ones can do converting a very mm. small garage or a small sh- garden shed or something yeah. and turn into an amazing living space. Yeah, one of my favorite memories is um, growing up, my parents had a VW van, you know, and so that had everything within the van. You know, you could go camping and, and there was a bed and there was a little kitchen and, you know, so much in such a tiny space. Yeah. And yet the, the contrast today is expanding size of houses, right? Like yeah, we need more space. <laughs> and yeah, and and every time you know, you know, the the news talking about the housing crisis and this and that, and people can't afford the living. Mm. Um, and I said, look, you know, we we live in the society that actually enables these problems to occur. Right. And um, and you know, if you're not doing anything from the attitude right at the beginning of how we should live, because now everyone expects to be living in a three bedroom house in a quarter of an acre. Um, yeah. And and that's that's the dream Kiwi home, right? But but you know the market mechanism enables it not to be affordable. Well, you can't blame anyone for it. It's the population growth, it's the migration, it's people's attitude towards housing. Mm. So um, you know if you and and you you know this, I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame landlords from it. I wouldn't blame um, overseas migration or things like that as a result. Um, mm. Because these things enable economic growth, and you want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing so, you perhaps our expectation is a little bit too much. I right. think we should look at ourselves and say, "Look, you know, can you can you live in a smaller place? Okay, maybe Christchurch is probably not not there yet. But if you if you if you you know if you live in you live in Japan before, you see mm-hmm. what their what their footprints like. You know, oh, they, yeah. they can live in a ten square meters box. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got you have a bed that's pull out like a drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can fold around and turn everything back into the kitchen, and then when someone when you have a friend over, then you put everything up mm-hmm. on the side and turn them into a lounge with a big TV screen coming down mm-hmm. with a fridge on the side. <laughs> so you know the, the, these things can be transformed. You know you don't need to to have a, a big space to be able to live in, mm-hmm. and then you know that that uh, you know and again it's not a solution to the housing crisis, but I think it 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 might be one of the yeah. many solutions. Well, it's um, definitely worth considering. We'll put in a link to that as well, I think, in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I've got four young kids, okay. so um, I don't know how that fits in with how much space you need. I can yeah, tell you yeah, that yes. they are uh, active children. <laughs> yes, yes, no, but I, yeah, but I'm, they are probably speaking 
to a, a very small group of people who yeah. might who might enjoy that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And obviously, you need to take consideration into yeah, that account when you have a big family. As everyone's well. different. Yeah. It was actually I think Michael Mail. I was interviewing him, the founder of Cookie Time and Nutrient Rescue, and he was saying he was going to be buying a tiny house for his kids and giving it to them, or yeah, you know, yeah. like it was going to be part of his new way of thinking was to reduce and yes. get get less rather than more which mm. has obviously many very positive sides to it unfortunately our yes. human nature often is greed and yes. wanting a bigger place or a bigger thing or a nicer car so and and that's actually it. and that's it. we 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 are a society of consumerism and you yeah. know like you know the way you know, and and it's the social media doesn't help because you know when someone posts something that you know I've had a nice car, I've got yeah. a nice holiday, you you naturally wanting to do the same. Yeah, and that basically you know is 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 basically you know from individual to a whole. Yeah, um, you 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 increasingly having more and more expectations and yeah. greed and pride and whatnot that comes with it. Yeah, and I think as well, um, unfortunately, as you progress through your career and salaries go up, all of a sudden your expenses go up by exactly the same amount. It's funny how that happens, but yes. wouldn't it be nice if it could be the opposite where actually, you know, as you get more, you need less. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's different. and it is stages, isn't it? You know, like young it, children and um, yes, different yes. obligations and everything. But exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's but fascinating. That, yeah, but that but it comes down to um, to a few other philosophy that that I believe in as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not religious, but I but mm-hmm. I but I but I do read about Buddhism and things like that. And mm-hmm. and that's one of the principles that you 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 basically live you live within your means, mm-hmm. and um and that sort of sort of stay through, mm-hmm. stay true throughout. It's interesting because in many religions that's part of it. Like if you look at Christianity, um, part of that is you know. Jesus saying, "Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and follow me." Like that's, that's part of that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, we're talking pretty deep here. But we are. It is, well, there could be another podcast. It could be. It'd be fascinating. <laughs> but that's, um, you know, for better or worse, we as humans, I think, you tend to want more or accumulate more. Um, mm. When something you said right at the beginning is it, that's secondary. You know, that's the the amount of money you have, you know, it's classic, another cliche, but on your deathbed, you're not going to look at your bank balance, are you? It's, exactly, it's, that's exactly. not going to be what, so. what did I achieve with my life? Yeah. Isn't yeah. going to be how many that's zeros right. there are in a bank account somewhere. Right. It's going to be how much did I give back to the family and the communities and the people that I, I cared about or yeah. even people I didn't even know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's I loved right. your idea of, you know, give one to help one, you know, that, the people that you're helping in those countries, they then can help other people, and you know. Yeah, and it's it's that similar to that. Um, what do you call it? Um, pay forward. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. That idea. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, I knew this was going to happen, but our conversation <laughs> is gone. You know, let's tiny houses, virtual reality, uh, being a doctor overseas, work. Um, you mentioned sustainability as well, right? Was that something that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, so I, I guess that comes from, um, or it could probably uh, probably arose from a few things um, in childhood as well. But you know that that attitude of me wanting to do something by myself sort sort of led me to thinking, you know, how do we how do we maximize the resources that we have here? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we how do we you, you know, how do we how do we live so that we're not a problem of a society? Mm-hmm. I.e., you know, we're not gonna produce as much waste. Um, we're gonna recycle as much stuff as possible with our whatever the resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we how do we um, translate that into an effect to to the environment and 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 generations to come after myself. Mm. So that's again they sort of come come under that umbrella. Mm. So I've talked about so I talk about tiny houses be as reducing carbon footprint that mm-hmm. one. But the, but as a result of that, I've ended up exploring a lot more around energy efficiency. So talking about solar um, energy, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm I'm still learning about it. Um, I've decided to buy an EV. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm driving a Leaf at the moment, but again, I'm interested in in the whole sort of you know battery technology, mm-hmm. and also um, the recycling of the battery, the, the lifetimes of that, and how do we how do we enforce that? 
mm. and also ended up being part of the EV community here as well mm. as a result um, and then um, and then I look into um, other other things that like um, how do we reduce the consumption of, of plastic or how to recycle it and I ended up being part of the plastic free New Zealand as well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so um, so um, yeah so so basically you know and I and I personally do uh, you know I put out um, as a volunteer as well help fixing things for people mm-hmm. so you know like and I, I do it I do it for my mum you know when she when she broke a handbag or something I said look don't don't go and buy anyone I'll fix it right know? and I'll, I'll, I'll get all the materials around my house and I'll fix it for wish I did yeah and even all the shoes you can see on my shoes you probably got nails and things on it you can see right it. right I'll yeah. fix them all. <laughs> so um, so I don't I don't I, I hardly throw things away now right so you know my my the rubbish in my house is probably you know probably less than less than that a month yeah, yeah. um and um, and again, still sort of become a little bit more mindful about mm. about what I what I do, what I take, what I eat, what I eat. So it's quite an anti, um, I guess, consumption and consumerism is such a big part of our culture. What you're saying is we need to, you know, address that and address that. Take responsibility for yourselves and not try not to blame other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and because at the moment, you know, when. When everything happens, you know, talking about fuel prices rises, who do you blame? You blame the government, right? Um, you what else? Um, you're talking about oh, the pollu- uh, the the river in our, you know, mm. by the backyard is polluted. Who do you blame? Again, you blame the government. You're not regulating the guy next door properly, you know. So so it looks like you know every problems in our society here, you ended up blaming other people for mm. it. So why don't we start taking responsibility for ourselves? Mm. And start to look at the roots, and it's actually quite a fun journey. I, you know, like the whole sustainability journey is very, it's a very fun exercise for me. Mm. You know, I just, and I, you know, I, I start learning how to do, you know, plastic, um, uh, plastic molding. Mm-hmm. I start to learn how to, how to do plastic welding as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can I can patch one plastic onto another and turn to another another item, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and I, you know, I, I look, I did a lot of research on EVs and solars and yeah. things like that. And that's, that's actually quite a fun exercise. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> but I can, I get bored easily. So that's why I moved. Yeah. You're quickly. moving from thing to thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, our conversation has touched on so many different topics. I think people realize <laughs> that you've gotten involved, but I also like the fact that you take it as far as you can, you know, like that you've actually reduced consumption rather than it just being a concept that you talk about, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest things that's missing is the actions of people rather than the words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The um, you know, and as I say, you know, even though we it, it sounds like we're talking all these random topics, but it's all linked. What I call it in a golden triangle that I talk about before. So, so you know, a perfect living if you like. So you get afford. Um, you've got a roof of above your head, right? right. So affordable housing. Um, you have a healthy life. Okay, so in talking about sustainability, um, and 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 you know these things are enabled by the current technology which we which we lived. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think you can you can have a pretty good life if you if you know all these three things are in balance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that drives, that's the foundation underneath all of the different things that you're exploring. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the electric car, for example. You know that. Um, that comes back to that sustainability and yeah, um, like there's yeah, that's uh, your foundation. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, I don't. Yeah, yep. Um, but uh, but for the from the transport point of view itself, I've got I've got another opinion on its own. <laughs> okay. One fully goes through it because I would say people say, oh, what about biking? You know, or <laughs> what about the share ride system and that we had in Christchurch has got abolished recently. It's a shame, um, but. The you know and and also the whole city planning the whole urban design itself you know like that can be a, another topic in itself which mm. I'm so interested in as well because I believe that Christchurch has got a perfect opportunity. Well, we had we had a really nasty disaster, which is the earthquake, but as a result, you know, there's an opportunity for us or all the communities to get together and say, hey, you know, how can we design the town, the city, so yeah. that is is enable this time of sustainability living for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually a theme that comes up quite often on the podcast, as you can imagine, because of the people I'm talking to. So I'm just thinking like Camille Yang from Ahu in looking at community building. Um, and she's trained as an architect. 
So thinking about what is what will the city look like in the future, you know, and how does how do we reimagine what buildings would be in terms of ownership and communal ownership rather than individual ownership. Yeah. And then I'm yeah. thinking of Peter Wells from Otakura Orchard, you know, the idea of urban food hubs where you can go and harvest fruit and vegetables and things in land that is not being used well right now. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot going on. It's really good. And I um and I think I'm blessed to be living in in this kind of community where you know people have innovations and mm. and ideas and bring them forward and yeah. actually let everyone know, and also you know talented people that actually have the skills to take it on board and mm. and and further the conversation. The um and the part that you know again that links all of that together. You know if you live in in a in a place where where it's convenient, you know, you don't need to be stressed so much in the traffic. You you can mm-hmm. walk to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you earn an, uh, a reasonable wage, um, and um, and 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 there are people that you know, your friends and family close by, mm-hmm. that will result in good mental health too. Mm-hmm. So the sort of le- sort of link back to why mental health, you know, is so high here in Christ in Canterbury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling we could keep talking for a long time. So it's, but that's the thing I love about the podcast is sometimes I never know exactly what we're going to talk about. But I feel like with our one, we've kind of bounced each other around. You know, the ideas we've bounced off each other have taken us quite deep in a few different places. So I'm sure the listeners are going to feel quite challenged, maybe, <laughs> and that's a good thing. So um, awesome. yeah, I just want to say thanks very much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, not at all. Happy to come back again if you want any specific things that you want me to talk about again. Great. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, let's keep up a dialogue and we'll, um, I'm sure there will be something. So, yeah. Sounds good. Hope thank it's you. helpful. Yeah, thank no, you. thank you as well. No problem. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pleo. I know I found it was fascinating. And as you could tell from our discussion, he's got such an interest in a wide variety of topics. It was really challenging to hear how he's approaching so many different aspects of his life. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then you might want to hit subscribe and check out some earlier episodes. Until next time.